Hay dos cosas que son absolutamente ciertas. Abuelita te ama y nunca diría que no a McDonald's. Date un gusto con un Grandma McFlurry en tu orden hoy. Es lo que abuela quisiera. Baratapapa. En McDonald's Participantes por Tiempo Limitado. Hey, 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 it's Feoj and you're tuned into a bonus episode of The Motion. If you're new to The Motion, this is a podcast where we get conversation moving in the best way possible. And that's for a twist of an academic style debate. From music to culture to politics to fashion, this podcast is guaranteed to get your emotions in motion. And that is not changing today. What is changing, however, is the fact that I will not be hosting today's episode. In the lead up to season three, we've given the show away to some really exciting guest hosts. The format remains the same. They will be joined by guests with conflicting opinions who enter into an intellectual tug of war to sway the guest host's vote to their side of the motion. You might also catch a preview of some features we're rolling out in season three, such as timed closing statements. They chose their topics, they chose their guests. I am literally here, like you, to sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. Welcome to The Motion, hosted by Brown Sugar, the podcast. Three best friends who talk about everything from careers to culture, race and relationships, identity, and everything in between. Hey guys, I'm Aki. I'm Rochelle. And I'm Hannah. And we are Brown Sugar, the podcast. Today, we are discussing race and identity, which is one of the biggest topics that we talk about on our podcast. Rachel Dolezal, and black or not, did she benefit the black community? So for those of you who don't know who Rachel Dolezal is, just a little background. She is a human rights activist and former chapter president of the NAACP. She spent much of her life passing as a black woman, but in 2015, her racial identity was revealed. And actually, she's white. She's of <gasps> European descent. She maintains that she identifies as a black woman and that race is a social construct. So we're going to get into this today. Didn't she change her name to like Mkechi Amaru? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> that is actually, in fact, her name. Each guest is going to give a brief summary about what they think on this topic and why. On the side of yes, we have Hannah. Don't get mad, y'all. Don't get mad. Let me get into it. Let me explain why I am in defense of Rachel Dolezal. In my argument, I'm going to kind of remove myself from Rachel Dolezal as an individual and what she's done and more talk around the idea of transracialism in general. I'm going to argue that if we are a society that believes that people can misidentify with things such as gender, even though race and sex are different in terms of the biological nature of one versus the other, I think that we can argue that social constructs can sometimes feel as real as biological differences. So I do think that transracialism could be something that we can argue for. I think even people who might not necessarily understand it or feel like they have anything to do with transracialism it still helps our community we should all be in defense of anything that expands rather than polices black identity or any identity full stop Rachel Dolezal, a.k.a. Mkechi, you're fraud. While at first it might appear that she benefited the community, you know, reaching the title of the president of the NAACP, these were just short-term consequences, and long-term, they caused more harm than good. She reduced the social ramifications of race, ignoring the way in which race has been socially constructed. Her whole strategy is founded upon deceit and lies. How can any understanding of identity be based on deceit? She portrayed herself as the victim when she really could have just been a really great ally. Okay, so I'm just going to get into some questions in general based on your stances on the topic. My first question to you 
is just about activism in general. Where do you think the limits of activism lie? So in today's social climate, white people are encouraged to show up for the black community. How far should they take it? And is there such a thing as knowing your place and not stepping into the territory of imposing yourself in a community that isn't yours? Michelle, do you want to go first? I 100% agree that there must be and there should be limits because there's a difference between being an ally and a victim. A lot of what Rachel did is she took up space and resources for black women. Black women being like one of the most marginalised groups in our society, especially in the US. Why couldn't she have just used her white privilege to help someone else become the president of the NAACP? And I think as a white person, acknowledging your privilege and divesting of it. Okay, Rachel Dolezal said she could identify with the black community that's absolutely fine. But you're still an ally, baby girl. You're not black and you never will be black. I'm sorry. I do believe that there should be limits to allyship. I'm arguing that the same way we like essentially could be saying like, yes, she did wrong as a white person using white privilege. What's the kind of difference between that argument and the sort of radical feminist stance on transgender women, for example, who believe that they use male privilege in order to kind of invade female spaces? I wouldn't go into the sort of details of this specific debate because it would be essentially misracing her. If we're talking about the wider sort of subject of transracialism, then I wouldn't really be considering her an ally, so to speak. But like in day to day, do I believe there's limits to allyship? Yeah, but I think that's a slightly different argument with the case of Rachel Dolezal. I understand that you think it's a benefit that we are talking about these boundaries between what's socially constructed versus, say, biological. But to what extent do you think that transracialism can be harmful? The main thing I would say is, as opposed to right off the back viewing it as harmful, which I think lots of people did, especially when everything kicked off with Rachel Dolezal, I would invite people to have intellectual curiosity with the topic. It's not necessarily harmful to specific races because races are constructed anyways. And so I feel like the harm comes from when we're talking about like the historical baggage that's put on lots of races. So like they feel like it's almost offensive to kind of invade that space. And I can appreciate that. I think that it does more good in terms of being able to expand further as opposed to only relying on our historical lineage to each other, if that makes sense. I want to pose a follow-up question to you, Hannah, about transracialism as it relates to the Black community versus other communities. Because personally, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't really see many other examples of transracialism in other races. It happens in the Hispanic community as well. Hilaria Baldwin. And that one's even easier to pass off because a lot of them have the same skin tone. Yeah, and it also happens a lot with... Have you ever met people who are really into just, like, K culture yeah 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 that's true that's true i just want to ask like black culture is so widely consumed globally do you not see transracialism for example for a person of whiteness to identify as black how do you see that being different to them just you know really enjoying and identifying with black culture because it's so widely consumed globally i think that's like the crux of the argument as well is like To what point is it just, like, an appropriation of culture as opposed to, like, identifying? I don't think that's an argument against it, though, because I don't think that makes it any less sort of real, your sort of affinity to it. Because I'm not trying to equivalent gender and race. However, there is 
someone in transgender literature that described it like they had a female brain and a male body. And the response was that your female brain is actually just responding to the culture of femininity as opposed to innately different in itself. That's the sort of radical feminist argument for that, right? I think that would be a similar thing with with race is that it doesn't make it any less real, right? So just because it's a construct doesn't mean that it doesn't have something that feels realer than that. Can I just say that I agree with what Hannah said in that just because it's constructed doesn't mean it's real. It kind of irks me because the thing is, race and gender have similarities. They're both socially constructed. But just because something is a social construction doesn't mean that anyone can construct it in the way that they like. Race, for example, and gender have similarities but they're not one of the same. Race, for example, is founded upon hierarchy. And what Rachel's done, she's attempted to invert this hierarchy. White people as a race are on top. You could say it's like how men are, but with gender, it's less of a hierarchy because the way gender has been constructed is kind of around those two two sexes, even though, yeah, there's more than two, intersex, et cetera, et cetera. But what I'm saying is that Rachel's attempted to invert this racial hierarchy based upon her own experiences with race. If I paint myself white, and change my name to Barry Manilow. I don't have white privilege. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> what a specific name. <laughs> Race is founded upon so many things. Like, there's historical, socioeconomic, political baggage. It doesn't exist in a vacuum. So I think that it's kind of damaging to conflate race and gender as social constructions. And I think it's actually offensive to transgender people to kind of equate them. So that's just one thing I wanted to say um, just, just on that. To what extent do you think that her position, although short-lived, as the president of a section of the NAACP, she flies a flag for the black community, (laughs) as we love to say. (laughs) And some people could argue that, yeah, fair enough, the way that she went about it was deceitful, but her intentions were good. And if anything, she fights against discrimination and a lot of the things that she spoke out against are beneficial to the black community and also some people would argue that some people within the black community itself are actually quite problematic towards the black community so one example is dr umar johnson who you know is very divisive some of his beliefs and thoughts don't actually serve the whole black community he's very passionate about a a subsection of the black community itself so to what extent do you think that we should be looking at problematic people within the black community itself rather than demonizing rachel dolezal for what she did okay so one thing i'm going to say is i don't think dr umar and rachel dolezal are in the same lane firstly I don't think that because black people are problematic, they should be like, we can't revoke their blackness. That's a consequence of who they are. Whatever Rachel Dolezal did in the short term, what she's done in the long term, like outweighs that. Because what Rachel Dolezal, she's perpetuating the idea that being black is akin to being oppressed, is akin to being discriminated against. She literally cites examples of she didn't get this grant and it was because of race and sex discrimination. We need to remove the prescription behind what it means to be black. So, and I would say this to Dr. Umar as well, we need to stop prescribing to people, this is what it means to be black. I don't care how many people she saved in NAACP. What she's done in the long term is so damaging because you're just perpetuating that idea that being black is struggle. I'm trying to like deconstruct, well, not just me personally, but... <laughs> <That's a> big <laughs> remark. What do you intend to do? <laughs> the colour of my skin, what that, what it means, that's what I'm trying to deconstruct. 
like and reconstruct new meaning being black is beautiful like there's so many other things that we should be focusing on how do you have anything to say to that this is one thing i would highlight in the argument so we're saying that we're trying to get away from the idea that being black is just about oppression and struggle etc that seems to also be the argument for the card that we get like for, for what allows someone to be a part of that identity in the argument with most people when you're discussing like why is it so offensive or why people can pick up other identities and not pick up the identity of race. Most people will talk about the historical baggage of what it means to be black. If you also ask most people, why is it way more offensive? Why was it just like hilarious gossip? What Hilaria, whatever her name did versus what Rachel Dolezal was like CNN covered us. And like, you know what I mean? It wasn't, there were very two different types of reactions to to the races and a lot of the times it's to do with especially when it comes to blackness is to do with what you just mentioned around there's a difference between even being transracial to blackness than it is to be transracial to someone who's picking up the identity of korean or picking up the identity of latin american for example and a lot of that is to do with the specific baggage of oppression so i think for me if we're moving away from the idea that that's the only thing that bounds us then we can't also use that as a deciding, determining factor of whether someone is allowed to be a part of that identity or not. One final comment I would like to make is basically, if we are giving transracialism as a concept the time of day and saying, yes, some people might identify as a Black individual, in this case, Rachel Dolezal is a Black woman, would you then say that she has the right to coin certain parts of the black community? So, for example, I'm just going to put it plainly. Can she say the N-word? <laughs> if she is transracial, can identify as black, can she then do what is socially acceptable within the black community? Say the N-word. Can she, can she, you know, adopt some of the other things that if a white person did it would be offensive, but just but because they're black, we're part, it's part of the community, it's fine. What are your thoughts, Hannah? Um, for argument's sake. <laughs> oh gosh. You better be careful, my G. I'll give everyone your address, mate. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, no one should be saying the N-word. <laughs> wow, okay, okay. Y'all still say the N-word? Yeah. <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say on the matter. That's true, that's true, that's true. Thank you both for your thoughts on those questions. So the next part is just the main debate. Just to allow you two to interact with each other. Going back to the motion, black or not, did Rachel Dolezal benefit the black community? This is a chance for both Rochelle and Hannah to highlight the weaknesses in each other's debates. So interrogate each other and get to the crux of what their argument is. Hay dos cosas que son absolutamente ciertas. Abuelita te ama y nunca diría que no a McDonald's. Date un gusto con un Grandma McFlurry en tu orden hoy. Es lo que abuela quisiera. Baratapapa. En McDonald's participantes por tiempo limitado. I think Rachel Dolezal as an individual, I think there's two separate arguments, right? As an individual, you can be a bad individual, but the broader idea of what she's talking about, I think that's what we need to get into. I can't speak for Rachel Dolezal. I don't know her. We can't have a debate about Rachel Dolezal. We don't know her. But I'm talking about the idea of transracialism, which is why I keep taking a step back from her. I appreciate that we're not there yet. However, I think those sort of statements shut down debates are supposed to open them up. The truth is that this argument, it's hard to not be emotive as a black person right you know when you see something and you're just like this is wrong but you don't know why this was actually a chapter on my dissertation and i would sit in the library for hours and get angry at myself because i couldn't 
figure out what was so fundamentally wrong with transracialism. Let's take Rachel Dolezal away for a second and say that another person, Rachel Holazal, did this exact same thing, but they admitted to everyone, do you know what? I'm not black. I'm actually white. But do you know what? I'm going to identify as black because it's easier for my cause. To me, that is still doing more harm than good. And the audacity and the temerity of someone to do that, it's the epitome of privilege. And that's my point here. Aside from her identity, so identifying as a black person, does that then give her the right to be an activist, to speak on the behalf of the black community? No one has a right to, to be an activist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is, that's what a lot of people have a mm-hmm. problem with. They say, she doesn't speak for me. Yeah. You're not black. This happened in 2015, 2016, and the year after Caitlyn Jenner was Woman of the Year on Vanity Fair, right? And the same arguments from some people were like, she does not speak for me. She's very different to me, blah, blah, blah. That's why I keep highlighting the similarities. Not to conflate them, but again, just to really spark the intellectual curiosity of why some identities are stickier than others. And what exactly is it about the identity of race that is so intrinsically, burningly different, right? Myself included, when I first heard the story, people do feel very way more passionately about this. And I would argue that a lot of that is to do with what we just mentioned about the history of oppression. We can't use it as an argument for and against. I don't think it has to be either or because you can say you're moving forward from something while also acknowledging history. This is a wild example. In Germany... Um, every year, obviously, they're trying to move away from the fact that, you know, Nazis ruled their countries, but while also acknowledging the damage that they did to, like, millions of Jews. That's obviously a bit of a far-fetched example. The point I'm trying to say is that, like, you can talk about reducing, like, the emotional baggage of race. I liked your example of Caitlyn Jenner. And to be honest, there are cisgender women who would say she doesn't represent them, but she represents a lot of transgender women, which is why she won Woman of the Year. I can look at Caitlyn Jenner as a cisgender woman and identify similarities, but I can identify hella differences. Same way I can look at a white woman like Ellen Pompeo and be like, we have some similarities, we have some differences. My main point is that race is not there yet. If we were in this kind of racial utopia where races weren't hierarchical and they were a bit flat, Maybe not completely flat, but they're a bit flat. We could say things like all lives matter. And obviously everyone will know that includes black lives, but we're not there yet. And what you said about like, it's not my duty to understand something. Um, I just have to accept it. <laughs> There's got to be limits. I'm sorry to this stuff. There's got to be limits. People identifying as children. Like some of these things are actually harmful. For one second, I'm going to say that we do this. If that's the case, then why can't I change my name to Barry Manilow? and lead up the BMP party. If we are gonna argue for transracialism, then we need to deconstruct white privilege. Black privilege needs to become a thing. Hispanic privilege, Latino privilege, all these different privileges. But the truth is that Rachel Dolezal and the other random German lady and Hilaria Baldwin, all these people can only do that because they have white privilege. Is it physically possible for me to be a transgender man? Yes, but also I don't think someone else's identity is valid only on the basis of if I can do it or not. One thing I did also want to highlight, I think you brought it up, Rachel Dolezal's different experiences growing up. In defense of Rachel Dolezal, the individual in a black family, so to speak, she had a black husband, her children are mixed race, blah, blah, blah. So like there is an affinity there with 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 blackness race we keep highlighting the fact that it is a construct but it's a construct that has so much to 
do with our experiences, especially as a child, the way you experience things and the way you then self-identify are very much interlinked, right? And so if she as a child is growing up with all of her siblings being one color, for example, I didn't know that I was black until I was like around like the complete opposite, right? I had only ever really been around black people. This was when I was growing up in Texas. I had a black family, went to black church, was in sort of inner city Dallas. White people were kind of more conceptual to me and I didn't think of myself as that different to, to the outside world. The question isn't even to say it is completely right or wrong. It's almost like a court case. Is there any room for doubt in the argument that is completely wrong? I think that there is. I think that there is room for doubt and that there is room for exploration in the debate. And that's my main point is like, we just shouldn't come from a place of like, this is automatically wrong when we don't do that for other identities. I do not think gender and, and race are the same. There is no other comparison to make right now. There is not another trans identity at the moment that I'm aware of anyways. Is there any space in this argument for the fact that maybe she does genuinely identify as a different race? I'm not ruling out transracialism, point blank, period. I just have to take it back to the argument, which is, did Rachel Dolezal do more harm than good? At no point did I say she she didn't do any good at all. Watching the documentary, I will say Rachel Dolezal is a fantastic mother to her black kids, but these short-term consequences do not outweigh the fact that a, I'm going to say it again, it was deceitful. The taking up space factor, that documentary that she did, like, she's got money from that. She's got resources. I'm not saying she should be a pauper on the street, but, like, she's taken away space. She's taken away the spotlight from other people who need that more than she does. I also watched the documentary. If we're talking about the money she got, that's to do with scandal, and that's to do with how much we like scandal. Would she have gotten that if it wasn't a big deal? No, we wouldn't have. I think the harm is short-term and the good is long-term, in my opinion. Like, the good long-term is that even the idea of transracialism didn't really exist before Rachel Dolezal. That, to me, is the long-term good. If you watch the documentary, she talks about drawing herself as a black girl when she was younger. Again, I'm not here to, to say I know what's going on in her life and what is a lie and what isn't a lie. But in terms of the general idea of transracialism, if you genuinely did do that as a transracial person, you genuinely from a child thought you were black, you're not even aware of those ideas just yet, right? If someone was adopted by a specific race family that was different to them and they told me that they identified with that race and felt more that race than anything else, I wouldn't be like, no, you're lying. I would say, I can see how you can get there, right? And that to me is a similar thing. There's not one way to be black. There's not a black gene. I am black because of my experiences of being black. I'm black because I have a black family. And I appreciate that there's some, that once I leave the house, there's external factors that remind me I'm black. I hear that, but I will say that affinity is very different to identity. Tommy from Power is a fantastic example. Mm -hmm. In season one of Power, I was flabbergasted when i heard tommy used n-word it's like okay ghost was your brother all that stuff but again tommy's not an idiot he knows that he's not black and also i will say rachel dolezal has not pushed forward the agenda of transracialism it's not something that's discussed and attacked and debated and like really deconstructed rigorously there is academia about it loads now and only from her that's the thing it's limited is it great that we're arguing about transracialism personally i feel as though it's it's important to discuss why things are socially constructed but my main point is that we need to be removing the prescription behind these racial constructions rachel dolezal has not done that 
one thing I remember learning this when I was in Amsterdam and oftentimes with trans identity it comes from a place of like further sort of essentializing the sort of identity that they're moving into that is not a bad thing to do the sort of phrase that was used to me is that we should have sort of gender identities view them as two boxes you can identify yourself within the box of being a woman within the box of being a man but we should have the lids off of it right that means you can identify yourself within it without it if someone is trans a uh, transgender woman they will they would might want to identify themselves within the box of being a woman because they have struggled to get into that box right whereas there's women who feel like oh my god why are you further essentializing what it means like to be a woman don't get mad at the other people you just identify yourself outside of that box and i think a similar thing can happen with rachel dolezal where we have we can broaden the sort of boxes and take the lids off of what it means to be a specific race and there are still people who can essentialize and identify themselves within but the reason i'm saying it's more good than bad is that if she has served in taking the lids off of the boxes that still does help us i uh, other people who are specific races to identify themselves outside of the boxes and that's what i think is a good thing anything that furthers that sort of discussion and takes those lids off of the boxes and makes it less binary to me serves everyone from all races one thing sally haslanger says and this is really the like one of the final points i'm going to make is that like you we spend all this time trying to trying to work out what does race mean what is race what is gender and why we should be constructing meanings that are beneficial to the deconstruction of all the racism sexism transgenderism all these isms we need to construct meanings that are more beneficial than not and my opinion is that Rachel Dolezal has not changed the definition of what race is in a positive way, which is why I cannot say that she's done more harm than good. The lid is still on what race is. She's not created a radically different view of what race could be. Yes, I agree, but it is hard to do all of that at once when you are, your debate is being stifled. This came out in the most salacious way possible. It's hard to radically change what race means and to do all of these things when the debate stops there. My thing is she started the debate, which is an inherently good thing to me. Let's continue the debate. But if we shut it down by saying it's more harm than good, that shuts down the debate. It doesn't continue the debate. If we are always saying that race is a no-go zone, like talking about someone's mama, then we're never going to get anywhere. No good comes from stifling intellectual conversation. I think she has started something. Did she finish it? No, I don't think she finished it, but I do think she started something. Yeah, okay, we can technically go back and forth about why those um, Trump supporters storming the Capitol was wrong on an intellectual level, blah, blah, blah. But the truth is, like, what Rachel Dolezal did is, like, actually harmful in real life. The fact that we're even here going back and forth trying to defend or object against Rachel Dolezal, this shouldn't be the debate because racism is still rampant, whether it's overt, covert, systemic, systematic, all the different types of racism. My point is that like Rachel Dolezal should not be the spotlight. Right now, transracialism should not be the spotlight. And I don't think, we're, I think we're wasting time, energy and resources even trying to further her, whatever the heck she was trying to do, rather than actually just take it back to the people who are being affected the most. That's my honest opinion. A, we're still talking about her for trying to further this for the sake of academic like rigor. And like, I personally think that we need to take people's lived experiences and put them at the forefront. Heaven above. <laughs> Thank you both so much. That was super interesting to listen to. Just to bring it back to the topic and the way that the motion was phrased. 
Black or not, did Rachel Dolezal benefit the black community? I think the main points of contention there is a definition of benefit, how benefit is defined temporally, so short-term versus long-term. And so the last part of the debate is giving you both 30 seconds maximum to give a final statement highlighting what you think are your strongest parts and why you think that your point of the debate is the most valid. In essence, what I'm arguing is that I think Rachel Dolezal highlights the constructed nature of identity full stop. And I think we as a society can accept the idea that someone's social identity can be transformed and can be mismatched to what someone feels in their heart. I think Rachel Dolezal, regardless of the sort of drama or the salaciousness of how it happens, I think that she highlights that. She is a transracial person and I think she starts the debate. So Rachel Dolezal did some good for the community, okay? But she did more harm because A, she's coming from a place of privilege. Like I've said before, her white privilege is what's allowed her to move up and down the racial hierarchy in a way that I, unfortunately, as a black woman, cannot. She has not also reduced the prescriptive nature of what it means to be a black woman. She's based her identity on oppression and discrimination and she did more harm than good. This is the kind of stuff that we don't quite get into on our podcast so it's been really great to hear how passionately you can argue something as Feo j does it's time for me to decide which of you two has swayed my opinion i want to go back and say that you both made very good points the reason for my decision is probably in light of recent events but rochelle you brought up a point which sat with me for the rest of the conversation in terms of whether we're ready for this at the moment are we ready for transracialism to come to the forefront as as a new discussion And my personal opinion is no, because we have so much work to do to better serve the Black community. For that reason, I'm going to have to go with Rochelle. Wow, wow, wow. What a debate. Honestly, at one point, I was like, if Hannah doesn't win this, I'm about to insert myself into this recording. Ultimately, I agree with the decision that's being made. And I think that's because Black identity has been something that's been governed by anything but black people for such a long time we're beginning to get some freedom in what it means to be black and create our own definitions it's just at that moment that you want to come and say oh well why can't i be black too i just think it's so so ironic rachel being the one to lift the lid on black identity i don't think so i think it's been done for years i think there are so many different definitions and different layers of what being black is and i think that's way before rachel dole is out i'm so tired of having to defend black identity like do i spend more time defending black identity than actually being black like question I'd actually like to know the answer, but I don't think that race should be a no-go area. I think it's really important to actually challenge yourself and think, okay, I know this is wrong, but why is it wrong? I don't think there's any harm in doing that. But of course, I think climate, time you're doing it, and why you're doing it, and who's doing it as well. That was a great debate. Thank you so much, Brown Sugar. They've just launched season two, so make sure to check them out. We have a few more of these before season three officially starts, so get ready. so much Faye OJ for allowing us to be on the motion follow us on Instagram at the motion underscore Twitter at the motion pod underscore send us an email at the motion podcast at gmail.com and don't forget to stay safe and have a lovely week we'll be back soon (laughs) I don't know why I'm so excited it's probably because I ain't doing this joking I love it love it love it
Hey, are you a super fan of Taylor Swift, Jelly Roll, or Morgan Wallen? Are you that song nerd who likes to dive into every little lyric of every little song and figure out what everything means? Do you want to take that a bit further, though? Because I have a podcast called Songwriter Soup, and it dives into the journey of a songwriter and how those people help craft the soundtrack of your life. I'm Laura Veltz, and I'm bringing all of my friends together to discuss our funny little job writing for all of your favorite artists. Listen to Songwriter Soup wherever you get your podcasts.